Hi friends and welcome to our podcast at Kirkliston Parish Church. It's uh, good for us that you're able to tune in as we explore our second week of Lent. I wonder how it's going with whatever it is you've decided to give up, whether it's caffeine or chocolate, or in our case, we've tried to cut down on our meat consumption. Uh, I have to tell you, it's not as easy as I thought it would be. Um, Though we have tried many various vegetarian and vegan dishes in the past, um, it remains a challenge. And we spoke a bit about that temptation of eating or devouring or doing those things that you've decided to do during the lentil season last week when we spoke about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness and how he was tempted by the evil one, Satan, the devil, and how Jesus resisted, how he resisted every temptation also later on in his life and ministry. And he persevered and he endured and ultimately he was sinless and blameless, taking upon himself all our iniquities to the cross. That gives us so much assurance, knowing that Jesus is well aware of all the temptations we suffer and endure on a daily basis. So we give thanks to God in this day for His providence and for His care. Today, we are looking at a theme entitled Rebirth. What does it mean to be reborn? And we will be looking at John chapter 3 that will be our focus passage but we're also going to look at another old testament passage that jesus actually refers back to as he has this discussion and discourse with a pharisee called nicodemus so let us just pause for a few moments maybe just focus on our breathing as we bring our thoughts and feelings to god at this moment. Lord, we thank you for this day, that whatever we are busy with at the moment, drinking a cup of tea or coffee or just sitting outside in the garden, marveling at your beauty, we know that you are here and that you are with us forevermore. You give us that promise time and time again in your word. Thank you for your love. And thank you for your compassion and understanding for us. Help us today to understand also what this passage means for us and help us to apply it to our lives as followers of the way in a very practical manner. We're wholly dependent upon you, Spirit of the living God. Teach us, nurture us, and fill us. In the mighty name of Christ we pray. Amen. Our two passages are from Numbers 21, verses 4 to 9, and also John 3, verse 1 to 17. The heading for our first passage is the bronze snake. He refers to the Israelites. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, but the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, 
Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest the miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. John 3 says, Heading, Jesus teaches Nicodemus. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Amen. This is the word of God. For a moment, imagine the scene. Nicodemus, a prominent and well-respected Jewish leader in society, sneaks out late at night to have a debate on the Hebrew Scriptures, the Talmud and the Torah, with this guy who's busy making headlines in the local newspaper. He's a bit cautious, understandingly so, for though Jesus turned water into wine, as we read in chapter 2, he also cleared the temple with a corded whip. Get out of here! How dare you turn my father's house into a market? What will people say when they see us talking? Thinks Nicodemus. Let's minimize the gossip and sneak out at night. Still Nicodemus is curious. He's drawn out. He must see the miracle walker and miracle worker. 
Nicodemus recognizes that something is different about Jesus. He's willing to take the risk by interacting with Jesus. He's heard the stories and seen the signs and acknowledges it before Jesus. You're a teacher from God. How else would you be able to perform these miraculous signs? Jesus then enters the discourse by responding indirectly to Nicodemus' statement. By saying the following, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Or born from above, as some other translations say. This catches Nicodemus off guard for two reasons. Firstly, because he's part of the Sanhedrin. He's adhering to the strictest laws and regulations. He's made so many sacrifices to get his credentials. And here's this rabbi, this young guy saying, it's not enough. In fact, it's useless unless you are born again. Secondly, Nicodemus, as a member of the Jewish ruling council, he was compelled to marry. He probably had a child or a few children, and though he may not have been present at his child or children's birth, he had those chats with his brother and maybe the midwife, the type we all have when the nurse preps you for what's coming. Back then, the umbilical cord was cut, the baby was washed in salt water or wine, which have antiseptic properties and rubbed with oil to soothe its skin. Childbirth can be messy. And it entertains the imagination of Nicodemus. Hence his response. You want that? All of that to happen in reverse? Nicodemus is left perplexed and confused. How can these things be? He says in verse 9. These are Nicodemus' final words in the passage. He does not understand Jesus or chooses not to understand. Later, however, Nicodemus will defend Jesus in chapter 7 and he will also assist in his burial. At some point, the light will dawn for him. And if we're honest, we're often befuddled or mystified by God. But it always leads to greater things and a deeper understanding. Jesus assists his literal interpretation. Makes it easy for him by paraphrasing. You cannot enter the kingdom unless you are born of water and spirit. That's just another way of saying be born again or born from above. So Jesus puts it in terms he'd be familiar with. That will assist him in connecting the dots. Verse 14 and 15 says, and we read about this in Numbers 21. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. The Israelites did what they did best in the wilderness. They grumble, they moan. Church folk have that special skill too. They detest the food. They say, where's the water? We want to go back to Egypt. Venomous snakes enter the camp, but loads of people, they die. Eventually those who survive come to their senses, repent, pray, and God provided the solution. A bronze snake on a pole. Look up or gaze upon this symbol and you will be saved from dying. 
I don't know if you are familiar with the sign or the symbol of the World Health Organization and many, many, many medical practices as well. It is the sign of a snake or a serpent curling around a pole. It's no incident that these verses come directly after the comparison of the Son of Man and the serpent on the poles, healing and restorative power. Right, so you've got that image, pole, snake, and it's funny because it's applied all over the world when it comes to the medical practice, addressing the needs of people and making sure that they head on the path of renewal and healing. So let's look at some of the parallels between the Moses story and the Jesus story. First of all, when you look at both stories, people were in danger of death because of their sin and rebellion. Secondly, God provides the agent of salvation, the bronze servant, serpent in the first story and the son of man in the second. The agent of salvation, thirdly, is lifted up. The deepest point of connection between the bronze snake and Jesus was in the act of being lifted up. And then lastly, the people are saved by looking at or believing in God's agent of salvation. However, there are two significant differences. The first is the bronze snake was only a piece of bronze having no saving power. When the Israelites began to make offerings to the bronze servant, treating it as an idol. Hezekiah destroyed it. Jesus, however, is invested with save, his saving power and he is worthy of our worship forevermore. And then secondly, looking at the lifted up bronze snake gave the Israelites extended physical life. Looking up to the lifted up Jesus gives us eternal life. The term lifted up in our gospel reading, has multiple meanings in the gospel. It refers to not only Jesus' cross, but it also refers to his resurrection, his ascension, and his glorification. Jesus compares himself to the bronze servant, serpent that the Israelites had faith in to save them. Jesus is our redemption, and our faith in him will give us eternal life. Hope and release from condemnation, not just for us, but for the whole world. We know these verses off by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. To save the world. The Greek word here is sozo. Sozo. And it means not just to save. It means rescue it means heal it means make whole or complete isn't that a an incredible thought that is what christ came to do to rescue heal make whole complete us it's an absolute game changer and this must have rocked nicodemus's world possibly the dissatisfaction he experienced with a life filled with impossible rules and laws, a life where you effectively save yourself, finds hope in this 
statement. You can't save yourself. You don't have to. The one that will be elevated, the one that will die in your place, to ransom you, to take your penalty to the cross. Gaze upon him. Nicodemus cannot fully comprehend the how, how this will happen. But he can know the why. God's love is the why. God's purpose is love. God's motive is love. And God's objective is salvation. The Spirit works as the Spirit chooses because of love. None of it is forced love. Jesus' famous words are constructed as a purpose statement. God's intent is clear. I want to enter a loving and thriving relationship with you. And I was willingly able to give up my son, to die in your place, to make a way for you to be reconciled to the Father. Friends, that is eternal life, shaped by an utterly dependent attitude on God's love. It is not simply life in heaven after death. It begins now in the moment that believers entrust their lives to Jesus. The word have here in verse 16 is present tense, suggesting that believers possess it in the here and now rather than having to wait for it sometime in the future. This is the first mention of eternal life in this gospel, where it is mentioned 17 times, 15 from the lips of Jesus. And friends, let's be honest, it must have been a hard teaching for Nicodemus. He had to struggle accepting it. Why? The good news of this gospel is not good news to Nicodemus. He has invested a lifetime in ritual holiness. I mean, he is quite old. He's probably at retirement age when he comes to Jesus. Yet, he has seen the power of Jesus. It is obviously from God. Christ is telling him that this world has changed and that he must change with it. He must be born again to see the kingdom of God. My question is this. Are you ready to accept this love, this radical love? Are you willing to be born again and again and again to be crucified with Christ? Friends, Lent is... About exactly that. To redirect and reorientate ourselves as we repent from having forgotten that the process of being reborn is ongoing. Nicodemus had to leave the security and stability of laws and rules and regulations to grasp that. But your story is different. What do you need to turn from? To re-enter this process of being reborn. Has something replaced Christ on the cross for your salvation? Is there a, another symbol on a pole that you look upon, that you gaze upon for your freedom and salvation? When we take bread and wine as we have done this Sunday, we're reminded that Jesus is the only one that can save. He alone, not your good deeds or intentions. Not even the moderator of the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland or the Pope. Christ alone saves and invites us to change and transform radically into His image as we look upon Him. Next week we are going to look 
at the story of the Samaritan woman. And many of what we are, we've heard today in terms of changing and repenting, we hear in her story, in the way that Jesus gives her dignity, restores her broken image. And so you almost get this contrast between a Jewish leader, someone of high esteem and someone of low esteem. And Jesus' saving power came for both of these. But for today, we focus on someone that on the outside did everything right to earn his salvation. And Jesus said, it's not enough. You need to be reborn. You need to change your attitude to accept God's love, to enter into eternal life. May that be true for you in this day and week ahead. If this is maybe the first time you've felt you're able to make that decision, to be born of water and spirit, please do make contact with us so that we can continue this discussion with you and so that we can better support you in the best way possible. Have a blessed day and may you experience His love and care in all you do. Amen.